So, Father, we, we thank you for this moment. Uh, we really do. Uh, we honor your presence, and, and we just want to hear from you today. And I pray that as Rich shares what you placed on his heart, that you'd speak through him, Holy Spirit, that his words would be your words. And, Father, that you would take this moment for us as a church, and you would very, very instrumentally, the way you do, and intrinsically, Father, we detail, begin to fashion out the things that you lay out before us. I pray that there would be that prophetic edge, Father, that would be spoken through everything that he says today. And God, that you would lead us, you would guide us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here as our comforter, our constant companion to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, and to empower us, Father, to fulfill the will and the purpose of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, how you going? Sound, did that sound very Australian? It is what it is. Uh, are you Ben? Hey, how's it going? I heard John's working for you. <laughs> no, I heard, I heard you had trouble with your knee. Ankle. It's like somebody I prayed for last night. They said, oh, they were limping. And I said, let me pray for your hip. And I prayed, and halfway through the prayer, they're going, hey, thanks, the hip feels good, but it's actually my knee. <laughs> that was Ron, by the way. Where's Ron? He's gone. Oh, yeah, anniversary. So the last time we were here, I think, yeah, we weren't able to make it last year. And I think, uh, actually, we've added probably six or seven grandchildren since we've seen you. We now have 16. Yeah, we have. We, uh, we, we really have worked hard on our children. And uh, I don't even call it a nation or a tribe anymore. I think we are a movement. And that our 17th is due in November. And we married off our last daughter a year ago. She hasn't even started. I haven't even hit the mother load yet. There's some of them that are still like, we're digging for gold, and I know we're going to hit uh, 32 grandchildren. Um, I know. That's not a word from the Lord. Uh, we are in Africa still. I think the last time we were here, we were still in the process of praying about a home in Cape Town area, and then we moved 18 hours south. We have been living there for a year now. And we've had over 40 nations, hundreds and hundreds of people have come through our house in a year, just investing in the nations. You know what's interesting? Missions has changed globally. We used to send people to the nations. Now the nations come to us. Like you guys, right now, even praying prophetically into the Father's heart for Syrian refugees that are going to be planted here soon. Okay? I mean, that, that is an amazing thing. We would have never got to Syria. We would have had to be undercover and have cafes and different things and could not talk about the Lord. Now they're coming to us, brokenhearted in their faith. And they're coming and looking for what? Displaced people are looking for home and family. The church is the best place to restore family and home. Don't you think? It's the greatest place. Oh, it's so cool. You guys are strategic. Australia is strategically going to be taking a lot of refugees in. And no matter where you land on the immigration thing, I mean, even our country was built on immigrants. And yet there's a blessing. If you look at the people of Israel, they had the gift of hospitality to foreigners. And there was something that commanded a blessing when they really 
hospitably receive the nation. They're coming. They're coming to you. Oh, that's so cool. Anyway, it's been good to be here. Rob picked us up. You know, it was really great. We talked about hunting. I don't know if what Rob does is called hunting. Hunting used to be that actually you went out and you look for something. Now you put cameras everywhere so that you can tell in a week when they come back where they've been and where they are. Is that hunting? Man, and any of you, if you want to walk in the, just the discipline of fasting, go hunting with Rob. He never hits anything, and if he does, it lives. Okay? <laughs> yeah. I know you're thinking too soon, too soon. <laughs> but he hit this huge thing. And it, 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 they tracked it for a couple hours. The, the, the dude lived. The girl lived. Whatever. You know, so if you want to work on fasting, go hunting with this dude. He ain't going to get anything. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. <laughs> He's like, yes, please, close in prayer. Uh, so <clears throat> we've had a lot of changes in our life, even traveling for two years in a suitcase. We've had to look back and, and start to process. Because if you go through a circumstance and you don't process, you leave unmined gold. To be able to go back and ask questions and have somebody even maybe outside of your bubble ask you questions to start pulling out from your experience because we leave so much of growth in unfiltered and unprocessed experiences. We just bounce from one experience to the next and we never take time to actually mine it to see what God's doing. In our process... I've noticed that as we process something and, and we move in, we've moved in many transitions, that when I'm processing something, everyone underneath me is also processing. If you're a leader, everyone underneath you is processing. You don't know what they're processing, but everybody's processing. And I know that there's a shift happening, you know, and I know that, that Damien and Tanya are being moved by the Lord, and I don't know, I, we're going to catch up at dinner, but they're processing. That means all of you are processing, okay? There's a conversation going on. There's something that God wants to leave, not just leave as an experience, and you just become the victims of circumstance and transition, but actually you grow from it. You grow from it. It's a growth edge. And I don't know about you, growing is painful. It's like I love how he uses the illustration in Jeremiah and a couple other places where he's working the potter's wheel. Now, I'm, I'm never good at Potter's Wheel. I only think of that stupid movie Ghost, you know, and whatever that is. And I just got to clear the mechanism. But they're working on the pottery, and they're molding it. And they're pushing the clay, and they're making something out of it. And I know that God, when we're processing, we go through experiences. He's pushing. He's doing something. He's always active. That's providence. We always have this moment of growth, and growth always means more relationship for the Father because he's always about relationship. The Trinity is always about relationship. Okay? Love God well, love others well. But the tendency is when the tough things come and he's working the clay and it hurts, you're being rearranged, right? You're be there's something changing in you. It's painful. And at that point, we often become, we can become, I know this, we can become wheel jumpers. Just at the moment of the growth edge, we jump off the wheel. Just at the moment that the pain is the greatest, we, we jump off. 
And then it becomes familiar like he uses another circumstance to bring us back around to the same moment. And, man, if we just would hang on a little longer, as uh, I think it's in Habakkuk 1.5, I'm going to do something that even if I told you, you wouldn't understand. And another translation says this, wait long enough to be astonished. Just wait a little longer. Ling, linger a little longer. Tarry a little, little longer. God's doing something. Don't be in a hurry. It's hard to grow if you keep on replanting yourself. You know, if I had a tree at my house, you come to my house, you're all welcome to come to our house in Cape Town. Okay, we live outside of Cape Town, but it, it, you love it. If I took a tree and said, man, this is the coolest tree, I plant it there, and I love that tree. You know? And then two weeks later, I go, that is a terrible place for that tree. And I take it up, and I put it over here, and that's really good. A month later, I go, that is a, man, where's a better place? And I keep on moving it. Will that, that tree really grow to maturity? It'll have fruit, but it'll, it won't be developed. It won't be mature because it keeps on being replanted. There might be a moment here in the processing in which you might default to wheel jumping again. And sometimes in our processing, we don't wait long enough to really be astonished. Like God's at work. Aslan is on the move, even when you don't see it. There's a verse in Isaiah 28, 16 that says this. He's the cornerstone laid in Zion. He's the precious cornerstone which is the picture that first Peter has in 1 Peter chapter 1, 2, verses 4 and 5, built on the cornerstone, right? And then it says this, those that are people of faith, because the cornerstone is so sure, it's stable, it's there, they're never in a hurry. People of faith are never, ever in a hurry. God isn't. The dude can outweigh you. He can. He can because he is a good, good father. He can outweigh us. But I find when transition comes and things happen, we tend to default to jumping and actually speed up when we're supposed to slow down. And then we miss so many amazing things. You ever miss something because you go so fast? You ever driving and you go so fast and you miss something? Somebody says, oh, there's a kangaroo, which you guys are like, so what a kangaroo? We're driving, we're like, there's a kangaroo. I mean, to us, they're amazing. To you, it's a nuisance. You know, it's just another, you know, another claim to turn into your insurance. But for us, it's like, that's really cool. But if you're going so fast, you miss it. You know? By the way, if you ever look on YouTube, look up Tim Hawkins, the helper. Okay? Guys, you ever been driving with your wife and she's the helper? How fast are you going? Oh, I have a speedometer right here, you know, but if it breaks, I'll tell you, you know, thank you, helper, you know, but you're going fast and you just lose stuff. I remember one time I was driving with my son and I, I was, I was, I was, I just came from doctor's office. I got bad news. I'm not doing very well. I'm a youth pastor, bless you, always in a hurry. So I'm just, I need to get him, drop him off at home and I got to get to another meeting. I got to get there and I get an, a long left-hand turn signal and I, opposite side here, you know, and I'm waiting for the light for the arrow to turn. Isn't it when you're in a hurry, that light never, ever seems to turn? Ticks you off, doesn't it? And then finally, when it does turn green, the first car never seems to move. You know, it's just like meandering across. And you can't, I know you wouldn't get this, but I'm a verbal person. So I literally, I'm talking. My son's next to me. He's like five. And I'm talking like, come on, cars move. 
come on, move. And I don't notice my son's next to me like, move, move. He's like yelling at the cars. I'm not paying attention. I need to make the light. And as we get going, they're like, you know, slowing down. They got their brake light. No, it's green. Just go, please. I'm like, put your foot on the metal. Go, go, go. My son's like rolling down the window. He's like yelling at the cars. We get up there, and the light turns yellow. And two cars are in front of me. One car goes right through the yellow light, turns red. Next car goes right through the stinking red light. I missed it. I stopped. I hit the steering wheel, said something I'm sure was godly. I turn next to my son. He's yelling. He's like, yes, yes. He's like, he's excited. I'm like, what? He's like, we're first, Dad. We're first. <laughs> the whole time, I'm yelling to make the light. He just wants to be first in line. Sometimes, yeah, kids, uh, sometimes I can find in life we go so fast we miss some really amazing gifts because our perspective when we're going fast is different than when we slow down and we're people of faith. We'll see more. We'll celebrate more. We'll enjoy more. So in this season, as you're processing, as your leaders are processing, I want to give you something that I think would be a word of the Lord to actually be banks of the river to allow life to flow through this, where every, bless you, where everybody grows. You're not, a, you're, not, you're not the victim of just a circumstance. You either can define the moment or the moment defines you. This is not a time to be passive. This is a time to enter and say, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in me? David Elkind, he wrote this book, The Hurried Child. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but in the book, he uh, chronicles and does um, research on the average time the menstrual cycle for a woman started in the 1950s. It started at 16. In the 1960s, it went to 15. In the 1970s, it went to 14. The 80s, it went to 13. The 90s, it went to 12. And in the 2000s, we have girls now literally starting their menstrual cycles at 10 and 11 and sometimes at 9 years old. Because the society is so fast-paced that it's causing girls to grow up on the outside in their physical bodies, but intrinsically in their heart, they're trying to catch up. It's the hurried generation. They're always in a hurry. It's so fast-paced that so many kids we, we, we run into now, even in YWAM, they grew up too fast. How many of you would look back at your life and say, I grew up way too fast? I assumed responsibility to my family I shouldn't have ever assumed because there was chaos in your family. Something happened, and you had to step into a role that wasn't yours, and you grew up too fast. In that, you missed some things. There's some things that you missed, and sometimes we have to name them to actually mourn them. To get what's in out. So God could actually pour some stuff in there. There's a guy who wrote a book, How Not to Marry a Jerk. I love this book. My wife's too late. If you're already married to one, God bless you. Hey, in it, it gives a progression of relationship. So you have to know someone before you can trust them. Once you can trust, you can rely. Once you rely, you can commit. Once you commit, you can touch. Intimacy. Where do we go in most relationships? If you're, you know, guys and girls, you're doing high school ministry, 
you get to know somebody just a very little, okay? It doesn't matter how old you are, you know this. You get to know somebody just a little, where do you usually go right away? Touch. Right to touch. But it doesn't have the equity to really go to that intimacy. And where do most relationships struggle? And trust, rely, and commit. We do the same thing sometimes without knowing it in the church, having such a hurried pace. Because be people want to belong, and the way they belong is to figure out the behavior. They see what you do. Somebody becomes a new Christian. They see you in worship. You're raising your hands. You're doing that. Well, that's what, that's what I should do. They're raising their hands, and they're entering into an intimacy with God in which they don't even know him. And so we have a lot of people that actually, where do they struggle with God the most? Knowing, trusting, relying, commit. Why? They don't really know him. And we haven't given them the time to slow down to actually embrace the journey of getting to know God. Right? Some of us have just grown up even spiritually too quick. What about when we give prophetic words to one another? I am from a mission that loves to give prophetic words. Right? We love, we're voice driven, they call it. But sometimes in a prophetic environment, we can actually cause people to grow up too quickly with our words. And all of a sudden, I give a word to somebody because I see something in them. And I'm calling it out in them. And I see this in you. And all of a sudden, I've given them a signpost to run to. They don't even need God to get from point A to B because I just told them where they're going. And then they rush to that moment. Right? It's like getting a word from the God. It's like being a king crowned or told you're a king and not being crowned for 13 years. It's like getting this word and it doesn't come reality for 10 years. Slow down. When we're given a word, sometimes we rush to that word to make it happen. And we said, look what God did. And it was self-fulfilled prophecy, not God-fulfilled prophecy. We just chased after what that person said. We give these words that kind of keep people like just going fast and fast. So I want to use one verse. If you can, turn with me to um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Ephesians 4, 29. Right? You've all heard this verse. I'm going to read it. <clears throat> it would be helpful to be in the right passage. 4, 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I'm going to break it down, okay? First, it says do not. In the Greek, this is an amazing word, okay? So in the Greek, this is what it means. When you look at do not in the Greek, this is exactly what it means. Don't. Okay? Pretty simple. Don't. Don't do it. Do not let it release out of your lips. Paul's like saying something important in this pastoral letter. Because he knows, as Roman 10 says, you confess with your lips, your lips, you believe in your heart. Your lips are powerful. It ignites something in our hearts. Even our hearts don't believe, whether it's a lie or a truth. We get ignited. The lips are powerful, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay, I get that. What's unwholesome talk, though? And then he kind of just says what it is. He says... So, okay, I don't want any wholesome talk coming out of my mouth. So what's wholesome? But only what is helpful for building each other up according to their needs or their faith. 
that's wholesome. So he's reversing it. He's telling you, don't do unwholesome, but this is wholesome. It says, so whatever comes out of your mouth, you give words that actually build up according to their faith. Here's an important word. Don't give words to people that are based on your faith, but their faith. Sometimes we give words to people, and it's our faith. And they step into our faith. They don't step into their faith. According to their faith and what they need, which means this, you got to know them. How would I know what they need or what would build up their faith if I didn't know them? That's why I think it's really important. I know guys come in and out, and we love the pulpit, and sometimes guys come in, and they blitz an amazing word, and then they leave. Everybody says, isn't that great? And they rip the church open. They're like, so great. And the pastor has to put it all back together again. He doesn't know them. You wait for a word from somebody who doesn't know you to make it magic. You know what's really powerful? Words in community and in relationship. That's the economy of the Father. So I have to know somebody to know actually how to build them up, and I need to know a little bit about their faith, what their journey is. Like, we're missionaries, so we, we trust God. I mean, we don't get a paycheck. Some of you are thinking, I don't either, you know. <laughs> and you know, you know, Some of you are like, yeah, I, yeah, I know. But when, I, when somebody asks me, like, usually it would be somebody who's like, hey, how much do you need? Just tell me. I don't tell them anymore. If I give them a number, they've just stepped into my faith, not their faith. I don't tell them. You pray. You step into your faith. I don't want you to step into mine. That's really important in a community that's voice-driven and believes in the prophetic. That in community, there's a great celebration, right, in prophetic words. I mean, if you just get a prophetic word, you're like, and again, it says community, right? We're so big on, I got a word, I got a word. What about we got a word? We, we've lost the plural pronoun of the pro prophetic. We've made it about us, so individualistic. But that's not the economy of God. That's not how the family of God works. He works in community with family, and I know it's messy, and we don't want to be controlled, but there's a greater celebration. We can stay from the dark side. We can stay away from the dark side of that and enter into the life-celebrating part of hearing together words together, building each other up, right, according to our faith, according to your faith, according to my faith. It says in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5, right, we're being built into a spiritual house. The word built is a strong word in, 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 the, in the Gospels. It's all over the place. But what I like about it, and I want to go back to the plural pronoun. We've lost us. We've lost that we're in this together. Okay? In Africa, we call it the spirit of Ubuntu. Okay? Maybe you've heard of Ubuntu. There's good stuff to it, and then there's bad stuff to it, like anything else. But Ubuntu means this, that the identity of the one is in the whole tribe. And the tribe's identity is in the one. It's like Israel. Israel, the identity of the nation was in the one, and the one's identity was in the nation. Okay, there was a celebration. And when I think of Nehemiah and us together, right? We've got a sword in one hand, and we've got a pick, or we've got a trowel. I don't even know what you call it when you work on bricks, or masonry, but they're working on the wall and they're guarding and protecting each other. Let me just, I want you to hear this. It's really important in community. If you tear someone down, you tear me down. You rip somebody, you rip down my wall. Your wall is my wall. My wall is your wall. 
Your win is my win. I'm sorry, I'm taking it. You win, you have a success, I'm shouting it from the, it's my win. We're a part of the whole city, right? We've got our wall. We've lost the sense that our wall, if you tear down somebody, now we're all vulnerable. Your wall is my wall. Your win is my win. Your building up is my protection and my building up. But we've made it so individualistic. That's not how God works. We need each other. That's a huge risk, right? Because then you have to do what? Trust. Which means if you struggle with trusting, you have to go to the next one below. If you've got a glitch there, you're stuck there, you go to knowing again. Start getting to know one another. It builds trust. Then you can rely. Then you can commit. And then you can touch. You can't rush. You cannot rush to touch an intimacy if you don't know each other. There's no equity to go there. The father's trying to slow us down a bit. And all of a sudden, he's talking about building. It's a, it's a value of the kingdom. Acts 20, 20, 32 says this. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. What is it? What does his grace do? Which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So the building actually helps us celebrate inheritance now, now. Not just waiting for heaven. Right? We're building, we're depositing into each other's inheritance now, now. We're seeing the inheritance right in front of our eyes. And we're belonging. He says in 1 Corinthians 3.10, By the grace of God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. So there's like the sense there's the cornerstone, and others have built. Paul, others have built before us. Before you got here, people were building this wall in Achuca. You don't even know the spiritual heritage, maybe, of the prophetic words that have been spoken over this valley. God remembers every single ancient word over this valley. Never forgotten it. Always working on it because he's not bound by time, by the way. He's not in a hurry. He's working on things even when we're saying, well, that was 15 years ago. When is this going to happen? How many times have you been given a directive word from somebody and you're like, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And then you blame them. Rather than working out and trusting God, maybe in what you don't know and you don't understand and knowing that God's working even when you don't see him. I love that a God works for him. It's like Daniel and Daniel 10. He prays, the arm of the Lord is already moving before the words left his lips. Oh, Jehovah's sneaky, eh? He's working when you don't see him. He's working when you do see him. When you're asleep. When you're walking. When you think. When you're in sin. He's not intimidated by sin, by the way. I'm pretty sure he conquered it. He's not. He's not insecure about you. He knows who he is, and he knows who you are. God knows who he is. Got this other verse, a few verses. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. So it is with you, since you are eager for the gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. You want a gift? Build up the church. Let's start building. There are enough people tearing stuff down. Let's start building. And knowing that when I build you up, actually, it's not just your wall, it's my wall, and it's every, I mean, it's the nation's wall. It's your village wall. It's your city's wall. It's your family's wall. In Africa, I want you to know we have some political heartache and pain. Maybe in Australia, you do too. And you can find yourselves always complaining about the nation and the politics and what's happening. You know what? I've been greatly convicted because we have so much 
crime and corruption in our government. And even I hear Americans, you know, back in America, enter into the dialogue. And I realize I'm tearing down. I'm not building up. I'm tearing down. It's easy to tear down, by the way. People love demolishing stuff. Even crowds will show up to a building being demolished. Like, it's really cool. But to build up something. This is what he did. He laid a foundation, built. That's what we should want. First Thessalonians 5.11 says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. We're all building up together. You celebrate, I celebrate. You win, I win. It's not independence anymore. It's interdependence. I need you. You need me. We need him. We're in this together. So when I hear from Achuca that there's been a hit, like if you even hear, you ever hear in like denominations, you'll hear a pastor fell, whatever that means. And everybody says, oh, I knew. And after the fact, we draw the, the dots, you know, because you can do them backwards but not forwards. And you're like, oh, yeah, I knew there was something wrong with him. Or, and then you beat him up, you know, stuff. Guess what? When that guy falls, we all take a hit. We all take a hit. When he gets restored, we all celebrate a win. We all do. We're all in this together. So I have two questions to leave you with. They're actually pretty tough questions. To actually build somebody up, you have to know how, what actually what builds them up. To know their faith, what actually builds them up. It's like my wife and I have been married 38 years in August. Hey, when we first got married, I'm a gift giver. I would love to bring her gifts. I was so excited. Aren't you excited? No. It was a good gift, but that's not her love language of receiving. It's quality time. I'm giving in the wrong thing she receives in. It's not building up. It's not helpful for her. She wants quality time. She'd rather have a cuppa than for me to buy a cup with coffee and say, hey, isn't that great? She wants time. How many of you know you've been maybe, you, here's the thing. We've got to find out what's helpful. So here's a question. To be able to turn to somebody that you know really well or somebody around you, you don't have to do it now. This might be a, a, quite a journey. To ask somebody, what would be helpful for you to build you up? Tell me, what would be helpful for you that would build you up with your mouth, with your words? Okay. What in my words, what could I do that could build you up? What do you need? Here's a scarier one. What am I now doing that's not helpful to you? What am I doing now that is not helpful for building you up according to your faith? That's a tough question, isn't it? But it's actually releasing. Immediately, maybe you might get some back. You feel like you're being torn down, but the torn down is actually building up. You're getting convicted, and that's actually conviction is building. It's not tearing down. It's building. We're growing. So here's my encouragement to you. In the middle of transition, in the middle of everyone processing, not just what's happening in the church with leaders. What about your own family, your own workplace, your own children, your own family? You know, stuff that happens with your ankle. You're always processing. You're processing something. Let God into the conversation. Let the body into the conversation. And be open to receive prophetic words that build you up. See, I think we're great at giving. We're lousy at receiving. Because when we give, we're in control. <laughs> we are. We give. It's great. We walk away. 
But receive means you have to stay there and actually waste time with people and give them the gift of presence. Let me just, maybe this will land on you. Some of you don't need a voice. You think you're fighting for a voice, but actually you just need to be heard. I think it's in Hebrews 9 where Jesus is travailing and it says this, but he was heard. Nothing changed, by the way. It just says heaven heard. Sometimes it's just good to be heard. That's a prophetic act, by the way, to be heard. And in that place, you invite God into the process. And in community, you get to know one another enough to trust, to rely, commit, so that actually our words are landing on fertile soil where that person really wants to grow and God's prepared him in that moment to grow. So let's build. That's the word of encouragement. Let's build. There's enough tearing down in the world, and actually, you don't need a lot of help tearing yourself down. You've got your own narrative in your head, right? Part of you is talking, and part of you is listening. So change the narrative. And how you change a narrative, and you can renew your mind and actually walk into the, 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 the beauty of waiting on God and know he's working on any word so I'm not making it a destination and making it a tabernacle. Remember the, the, the dudes, they see ascension and they're like, this is so cold, let's build a tabernacle. Let's stay here. We could like make it an amusement park. We can make, it's sustainability right here. Jesus says, no, no, you guys don't get it. We got to go back down. Sometimes we've even made a prophetic word a tabernacle and you've held on to it. Somebody gave you a word and you've held on to it for 10 or 15 years and you've made it your idol. You've said, that's the direction. That's what God's telling me. You don't even need God anymore and he's almost challenging you. He's giving you a word. It's like the promised land and he's saying this. Hey, there it is. Go for it, but I'm not going. He kind of wants to know if you want him more than the word. Do you want him more than the dream? Do you want him more than what's been spoken over your life? Is he more important? I'm telling you, the Father's going to challenge you in that. He's always going to challenge you in, the, in, the, in, the, in relationship in that way. Do you want me more? Oh, he's so good, eh? So let's build. In this time when our, when our narrative could go awry because we're out of a control and we don't know what's going and we'll default to going too fast. And then when we go too fast, we miss stuff. And somewhere in that, we create our own narrative in the absence of what we don't know. And we always go, when we don't know, we go to the darker conversations. That's what we do. Let's go. Let's start building. Let's go to the conversation of building. Conversation of encouraging. All the more until the day of his return. Are you in? This is his church. You build here. It's my church. It's Africa's church. It's America's church. It's not just you. Man, that's good preaching, Rich. <laughs> I'm ready to come forward. I'm telling you, it's good to be pumped up to know we're builders. We're builders. Amen? Okay. That's it. I, I don't even know if I'm saying, what, am I supposed to pray? No, let's build. Let's just go out there and start building. Let's turn in our conversation in the car. Let's start building. Let's start encouraging. Let's start out blessing one another so it's embarrassing. Wouldn't it be great if you woke up? You want to be competitive? Wake up every day and say, I'm going to outbless that person. I'm going to get to them before they get to me. I'm going to so outbless them. Oh, man, that's a good, that's a good thing, eh?
sound like a Canadian. Ugh, thanks. I'm just really excited. I don't even know if I'm supposed to do an interpretive dance, but you'll never want to see it. Libby, your turn. No. <laughs> I would do an interpretive dance, but then it wouldn't be very encouraging. It wouldn't be very building. But I'm telling you, this, I think, is a word of the Lord now, now, as we see in Africa for the church.